Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Canadian Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us. My name is Andrew Campbell, and as always, I'm here with my colleague and fellow dairy farmer, Sarah Sash. Andrew, it's great to see you again and uh, great for everyone to see us too, as we know they want to. Um, the Canadian podcast is now available on YouTube. So if you're really looking for some awesome viewing pleasure, this is it. This is, yeah, you sitting in your house, me sitting <laughs> in my office. It's a thrill a minute kind of video is really what it is, I think. So, which, speaking of which, we were talking about this off camera, is because it's that time of year, fall regional meetings are happening all across the country. Um, you know, for us here, we had ours just last week. Have you had yours yet, Sarah? Yeah, I've been on the road, actually. Uh, we were, I was in Nanaimo. We do seven regions in BC. So I visited Nanaimo on Vancouver Island. Uh, I was in the mainland in the Fraser Valley, and then also uh, traveled up to Creston, which is basically on the other side of British Columbia. And uh, yeah, regrettably, my colleague and I have learned that you need to be 100% sure you check into your flight before arriving to the airport, no matter how small a regional airport it is. <laughs> They will deny you entry to the aircraft that you can see and almost touch, and you will need to rent a car and drive 900 kilometers chatting about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. So we need to back up because I didn't hear this part. Was So you, what, you didn't check in, and so they wouldn't let you on the flight? They wouldn't check you in there? We missed the cut in the, the cutoff for check-in by 10 minutes. <laughs> And then, so because you missed that, you had to drive 900 kilometers home. Yeah, there's That's... a time, we were in Cranbrook, BC, and there's a time zone difference there than the rest of British Columbia. And uh, yeah, through circumstances we will not discuss, uh, we somehow screwed this up badly and uh, had to drive well, home. So. Well, I'm very glad that you have come and arrived on the podcast today because I didn't know there was such an adventure to your fall regional. For us, it was not that adventurous. <laughs> we drove an hour. It was on Halloween, so we had a chocolate bar, and then we drove home at the end of the day. There was nothing, nothing nearly as thrilling as that. We we love to hear about producers connecting uh, in any form of meeting. So, I mean, that is awesome. And uh, I got a lot of time to connect with my colleague in the car on the way home. And one of the things that we chatted about a lot, actually, as we had so much time to uh, get to know each other, was... Uh, kind of what it's like being a farmer, what impacts our lives, what brings us together, what makes us different. Uh, you know, there's a lot you can cover in that much time in the car with a person you don't really know. And uh, so we're kind of on that topic today. What When we back started the podcast uh, back in the day, we did an episode on mental health kind of shortly after the pandemic um, and mental well-being uh, of Canadian dairy producers. And uh, in this episode, we were talking about it was one of the most popular episodes we did, actually, um, talking about all things mental health. And, you know, in the car chatting, we uh, really discovered that that really is a large component of uh, being a dairy farmer. And there's a lot in your life that you kind of don't realize you have in common with everybody else. And then uh, when you connect about it, sure enough, there's, there's some unique characteristics to this uh, line of work. Well, and there certainly is. And I remember that conversation we had back in 2022 with Megs Reynolds, who had just started as the executive director of Do More Ag uh, Foundation. Um, and, and it is one of those things that by the time you, you know, you, you do kind of feel 
especially, you know, here on the farm, it's your own business. There's all kind of your life stuff. It's hard to, it's hard to remember that there's a lot of people in a very, um, you know, similar situation to you and feeling the same pressures and all of that. And so it's going to be awesome to be able to revisit um, that subject. This time, um, we've got a fantastic guest, Sarah. Deb Van Berkel is Chief Programming Officer at the Canadian Centre for Agricultural Wellbeing. Our guest today is a registered psychotherapist and dairy producer with a strong passion for mental health and agriculture. After, after 15 years of working in the nonprofit sector, she started her own business, Cultivate Counseling Services. This led to the development of the Farmer Wellness Program in partnership with Lennox and Addington Federation of Agriculture. That's right. And in 2021, she was the recipient of the prestigious Bridget Rivoire Award given to champions of agricultural mental health for her work with the program. Her drive to help and foster growth in the agriculture community, coupled with her experience and passion for mental health, has equated to an increase in accessible service for all of those in agriculture. She's now Chief Programming Officer at the Canadian Centre for Agricultural Wellbeing. Deb Van Berkel, welcome to the Canadian PodCow. Thank you so much for having me. So great to have you on today, Deb. And I have to say, we're pretty excited to hear that you've got the whole mental well-being piece we can talk about, but also you have cows. So uh, before we get into everything, can you tell us a little bit about your farm, uh, just to orient us about the cow bit before we get into the other space? Oh, of course, absolutely. So we farm in Odessa, Ontario. So we're in the Lennox and Addington County. My husband is third generation. And so my husband, myself, and our two children who are 14 and 11, if I can remember correctly. Um, yeah, so we all chore together. So it's um, a 40 cow operation. Um, we have lots of heifers and calves. It's just us kind of going in. We also have some acres that we grow corn and soybeans and obviously hay for all our cows to be able to eat their cow chow so that, you know, we can milk them every day. And yeah, so we just really enjoy working together and being able to kind of do chores as a family. It's been something that's been ongoing since they were very, very young. So well, that's, that's fun to hear, Deb. And I think it's something that both Sarah and I can relate to too, as we haul our kids out to the barn, sometimes willingly and sometimes unwillingly, yeah. but it's, but it is fun to do all that as a family. Now, what I'm kind of interested in as we, as we look at this mental health space, like, can you give me an idea, you know, how did you develop this interest in, you know, the mental health space in general and, and why did you decide to focus the counseling on farmers? Well, that, has kind of been a, a long time running. So one of the things I should say is that I didn't grow up in farming. So I, I married into it. So when I met my husband, I was, I'm literally one of those people and I will fully admit it that I thought milk came from the grocery store. So I got a very well education when um, I started farming with him and really saw the dynamics of how things kind of run, especially the intergenerations. And at the time I was in school and then I became a counselor for many, many years and was very privileged to work in a um, organization that allowed like programming and really allowed us to kind of flourish. And so around 2017, I started kind of hearing a lot of rumblings about you know, people really needing services. And I started having some friends come to me and say, you know, that they were having a tough time and that they wanted services and I couldn't provide them because we're friends. And so trying to help them get connected. And a lot of times I kept hearing that, 
you know, who's going to understand my situation? Who's going to understand? I'm gone, you know, 17, 18 hours a day. Like, who is going to understand that when they say, well, you go to sit down and talk? And it never really kind of dawned until they started talking about it. And then one night in 2017, I believe it was, um, my husband had gone to the um, milk meeting he was on the committee at the time and he came back and he's like, just so you know, he's like, this is what we talked about. And there was a dairy producer in Western Ontario that had, um, I guess, talked about ending their life. And somehow it trickled down through so many different channels and got to our milk committee. And so they were talking about it and nobody knew what to do. And I thought, how does nobody know what to do? And how did it get down in our county all the way from Western Ontario? So that night I went and called a bunch of people that were there. I started making all of these phone calls and literally the farmer wellness program was in the midst at that moment. It just started. I was like, this needs to happen. And it just sort of started to grow from there. I couldn't understand why farmers didn't have a anywhere to go. They didn't have access to services and nothing was tailored for them. And so I just thought, let's try something. And so I really wanted to focus on helping farmers get connected to services that were going to help them. Well, that's so impactful and amazing (laughs) that you actually took something like that that's really hard for everybody involved and made it into something better and Mm -hmm. are leaving a legacy in the industry. So I'm curious, what did it look like when you first started out and implemented things and where's it kind of gone from there? So when I first started, the people that I connected with, like the the people that have supported this have been amazing. It has been so well received, like amongst our own community. So the Lennox and Addington, when we brought this to them and said, hey, can we do this? And they were like, absolutely. Like nobody really ever put barriers up. It was a lot of times, you know, how is the farming community going to receive this? I wasn't actually even, I didn't even think that would be a problem. I was like, they're going to do it. Everybody's going to get on board because, you know, there's so many people that want services. I know Sigma exists. I know all of these, you know, there's limitations and barriers, but the, the reception of it was amazing. And then it just kept growing from there. And then when this award um, kind of came about and I was fortunate enough to work with the university. So Dr. Andrea Jones and Dr. Brianna Hagen and got connected with them within the know. And then I was connected with CMHA and all of these things just really started to grow. And it's just been something that we've kind of been building and expanding upon. And then with the farmer wellness program specifically. So when we launched in 2019, within a year and a half, eight counties jumped on board. And they all came to us. So during COVID, and so we were expanding within eight counties. And then right after that, in November 2021, that's when Ontario brought in the Farmer Wellness Initiative so that they could bring that. So it's the need is there. People are seeing that need. And so it just keeps growing and we just keep taking it to the next level, or at least I think. Well, obviously it is. And, and, and when you talk about kind of moving that to be that base for the Provincial Farmer Wellness Initiative, um, I understand you're currently working on the National Farmer Wellness Program. Like, yes. on one hand, I think, like, this <laughs> this is so rewarding to see this grow. But, like, on the other hand, like, you know, the, the snowball that this is just shows, you know, what, what lack of resources there mm-hmm. were to begin with as well. 
Absolutely. That was one of the things that I really noticed when we did start the pharma wellness program and the traction that it got across Canada. And I started having clients from all over Canada. And so that was one of the other things that really showed me the need for it. And so my clients, so I had a, so an independent practice and I had probably at the time, we'll say, you know, 85% non-farmers and then 15% farmers. And then it quickly switched. And I mean like extreme quick. And then I just went to, I only see um, farmers. I still have my, my regular clients, but I only take on farmers now just because of the uptake that I was getting. So the need is there. Absolutely. So from the perspective of a snowball wrangler, which you basically are, it sounds like, how uh, did the, you start out with a certain element of the program. How does it work? What are the steps? Like, we understand what the concept is, but what is it that people need to do um, to get help? What's the process? How does that side of it look? So for specifically the programs that are in place now, how people can get services. So in Ontario, we have the Farmer Wellness Initiative. So there are phone numbers and there are ways to contact them. We're still doing a little bit of the Farmer Wellness Program here in Lennox and Addington in different areas. It will be amalgamating into one big program of the National Farmer Wellness Program. That is going to snowball as well. We're just, because CCAW has just started as of last November and we've just finalized kind of like all the projects and getting everything in place. We're hoping to get the National Farmer Wellness Program across Canada in the next two years. Um, So that way, every farmer in every province will have access to counseling and crisis services at no cost, unlimited, indefinite. Yeah, I'm actually saying this for the first time here. So um, I hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> so this is something that's going to be out there. And this is something that we're working on because the other thing that we're working on, and this, this is where the need has come from, because the other thing that the agricultural community has talked about is wanting to ensure that when they go see somebody, because this is where the stigma comes in, this is where that apprehension comes in for some people, because it's, who am I going to talk to? Are they going to be well-versed in, you know, agriculture, farming? Are they going to know? And the answer is going to be yes, because right now we've developed also what's called the Canadian Agricultural Literacy Program. So this is an ag culture contents program that I am currently... um, in the development, or not in the development, in the delivery stage, I'm going to be delivering this program. So we're piloting it. The um, AAFC has funded us to be able to deliver this. We partnered with TELUS Health. So all of their counselors who are in this area, so who are going to be a part of the National Farmer Wellness Program, are going to have this training. And it's going to be done by me. So I'm telling you, I'm like got every ounce of information that I could possibly get out there so that we know all the people. And the other great thing since this has all started is the amount of people that reach out to me, the great people that reach out that want to do this counseling, that want to do the, th- the therapy like strictly for farmers is amazing. So getting all of these people connected so that we can ensure that we will have like an ag hub, which means that when farmers call in to find out who they can connect with in their area, they will know that this person has been trained with this program and that they're a part of this program. So that 
that right there alone in their minds can assure them that they know they're going to talk to somebody who's got the education, who's got the experience, who's got the knowledge. And so we're going to be talking about what's going on and not just focusing on all the pieces of, you know, farming and like what dairy farming and stuff like that, right? Like what do they need? Like when things break down or like the financial piece, like all of those components will be there. Well, it sounds like, like you've got so many balls in so many courts right now as you pull. And, and just the excitement of what a national program could look like, I think, is uh, like it's just so exciting to be able to see and be able to connect with. Because because there is that issue, I know, that, you know, from, from ones I've talked to, that you do want to talk to somebody that knows what, you know, what a farm is. You do want somebody that knows what some of the issues are. You do want... Um, you know, kind of to be mindful of of the cost of those services and all those kind of things. So, so as as you kind of piece together all of these things, you mentioned like in the next two years, you hope to be able, like you know, here's the goal. Um, you know, you've, you've got a lot of work still to do to get those. What are some of the key things that that need to be in place for you to make this successful? It's, well, being able to connect with all the service providers who want to be able to do this. And we are fortunate that we've already partnered with TELUS Health so that they do have the service providers for us to connect with. And right now, it's, you know, looking at being able to connect with all of the different provinces and letting them know this is what we're doing. It's already happening in Ontario. We're already seeing the benefits from it happening in Ontario. PEI has had it in place for 20 years. They have the Farmer Assistance Program. They've been going, and it's just been a constant uptake for them. So we know it works. And this being the first kind of program of its kind of cross Canada, there's nothing, there's no precedent. So we're setting that. And we're saying that this is what's needed right now. This is where the research is coming from as well. This is what farmers are saying. So getting that buy-in from the service providers who want to be able to provide that, but we already have that connection. So now it's just the time. So now it's kind of setting everything in. So we're at harvest right now. So it's finding that balance, right, of being able to kind of get all the delivery out there and also being at home for chores. And that's just me. But, you know, being at home for chores and being able to kind of do all of that. But right now, that's just the piece. It's just not having enough time to get it all done, like, right away. So, Deb, as we talked earlier, the CCAW is fairly new. Is it fair to say that it's still a work in progress? Uh, like, I'm a bit curious at this point about the funding. Who's behind uh, putting this all together in terms of the cost? So I can talk a little bit about it. Um, unfortunately, I can't disclose everything because we have been told that I'm not allowed to just yet. That will be in time. Um, those announcements will be made. We do have financial partners that um, are are wanting to be able to provide this for us. And we have that in place. Like I said, it's just a matter of announcing it. Um, and the AAFC, so the um, the federal government being able to kind of back us up as well and give us that funding to create these programs and start to deliver them. And so that's something that we're doing right now and that we've already received. And we're kind of in that motion. And that's just where we are. And that's specifically with the Canadian Ag Literacy Program, um, which we've dubbed KELP. So that's being able to 
to kind of get out there and let everybody know. And that's the piece too. The people that want to be able to help and really want to get into it want this type of programming. I just did the beta testing a few weeks ago and it was half farmers and half like mental health professionals and nurses and half non. And even the ones that are involved in, in dairy and agriculture even said that they were surprised by some of the information that came out of it. Because again, it's there's so much information when it comes to the egg culture that people don't realize. And so being able to kind of get into that those conversations and be able to talk about, you know, what succession planning, what the intergeneration thing, you know, looks like as well, because there's so many challenges, there's so many different dynamics, and everybody is different. And that's what we want to be able to help is the, the person that's wanting to get those services. It's not a cookie cutter type of thing. So being able to create something that the people can take with them so that when they're delivering that the services they're they're doing it you know in a way that is going to be helpful to the farmer well just keeping it interesting we'll have to stay tuned to see uh when you make these big announcements um so in the meanwhile we're going to take a break to hear a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back with our guest deborah van burkle chief programming officer at the canadian center for agricultural well-being Meet a Canadian dairy farmer, planting one tree, then hundreds more, to naturally purify the air, preserving wildflowers for pollinators, and nurturing wetlands for healthier soil, so wildlife can prosper. Biodiversity is in our nature. Working towards a sustainable future, that's Dairy Farming Forward. And we're back with our guest, Deb Van Berkel, the Chief Programming Officer at CCAW. Um, now, Deb, I think as farmers, Sarah and I and you can all kind of appreciate the higher degree of some of the mental health challenges that we face than, you know, certain other populations. Just, you know, how much, you know, for me, it's how much is out of my control that mm-hmm. I somehow have to wrangle and control. Um, can you give me an idea, you know, why, why do you think and why do you see from the clients you talk to, you know, where some of those challenges for them come from? So looking at where those challenges come from, like you were just saying, that uncontrollable piece, right? And the thing is, is that when we talk about farming, farming is task-oriented, right? Farmers are ingrained. This is what they've learned. Everybody's learned. You get up in the morning, you do, you have your tasks, you have your chores, you have what's needed to get done. And so, especially, you know, back in the day, you know, of our parents and our grandparents specifically, there was no talk about mental health. And so, when we talk about those challenges, it was just, this is the way it is. And so, even for me, when I first started this, my whole sort of mantra was, I want farmers to talk about mental health like they talk about the weather. Because let's be clear, they talk about the weather all the time, even though the weather is the most uncontrollable thing. So being able to talk about the mental health and how weather impacts us and how we respond to all of this, this is something that I think is really important for farmers to have that sort of understanding. And for me specifically, that's all I've ever wanted to do is help people 
people make that connection of where it's all coming from. Because a lot of times we just don't know. We're just putting one foot in front of the other. We got to get done. We got to get done. Then at the end of the day, whatever's kind of happening, whether you're not sleeping or whether, you know, you're grumpy with your family at the end of the day or you don't want it or you're isolating and, you know, which once you used to go to the milk committees or, you know, any committee, green, whatever you were doing, and now you're not doing that, but you don't understand why. And a lot of people will say, well, I just don't have the motivation. It's not just about motivation, right? There's so many things that are going on inside of us. So just having that kind of understanding of where it's come from, where it comes from. And so being able to let people know that, and I think that's the most important when farmers come and talk to me or when I have spouses up call me and say, like, how do I get my partner in, my spouse in? We just let them know that it's just having a conversation. I am just having a conversation with you. It could be a one-off. It could be just a couple. It could be years. I've got clients that I've had for years and years and years and years that are in farming, right? People will say that farmers don't talk. I challenge that statement because they do talk quite often. And it's good because that's what we're doing. And so just having that basic understanding of what the weather and how it impacts us. And yes, absolutely, you have no control, but you have control of how you respond to it. And so it's understanding that, and that's with all of the the components that come with farming that are unique to agriculture that are, are separate from, obviously, non-agriculture. <laughs> so to tackle the specific challenges faced by producers, it can be so helpful for mental health service providers to have an understanding of farming and the realities that farmers face on a daily basis. Is that what you're saying, Deb? It's exactly what you just said, Sarah, because we're getting into what's going on and we don't have to mud through or muckle through all that mud of like, what it means to be a farmer and, you know, what it means to have that ingrained stress as growing up or that inherent stress as we grow up and, you know, not understanding where all the, how the mental health and the physical health, you know, kind of impact us and, you know, being able to kind of move forward. It's being able just to kind of sit down, have the conversation, what's going on. So, so if someone calls me, for instance, and says they're going to talk, you know, I'm having troubles with succession planning. So, you know, we ask how many siblings are there, you know, what's going on, just a couple of questions, obviously, to kind of get the the realm of it, but knowing what succession planning looks like and how it can impact people so negatively because of what happens in family dynamics when the succession happens. There are some people that are very fortunate that have, you know, had great succession um, when kind of going to the next generation. There are so many that have not. And so just having that understanding of, what do we need? How do we kind of work through that? You know, how do we work through the feelings that I have towards my parents right now or my siblings or how do I communicate to my siblings? That's a huge one. Intergenerational farming, people that are brothers, you know, brothers, brothers and sisters, whatever, siblings, all of that. The granddad, the dad and the the son or the daughter, all of that. All of these pieces are so difficult. And so when people don't understand that and they spend so much time like just trying to understand, it makes it that much more difficult. Or even understanding what it's like to have livestock and how that really actually helps people versus hindering them. And one quick example is I had a client come to me who went to the hospital um, for crisis and went in and was talking about things and the person told them to sell half their herd. That was the solution. And so then the person got referred to me and 
I was like, oh, like, I'm so sorry that that's what the response was. And the person just didn't have a clue and no fault of theirs. They just didn't know. Right. And so my goal is for people to understand how that's hindering and not helpful for people. Yeah. And, you know, when you say that here, here, I was thinking in the back of my head, oh, you know, things that are important for you to understand is that, you know, I have to start early in the morning and I might have long days and it's busy and aren't these important things. But like, it's so much bigger than that, that, you know, when you said the word succession, like, of course, that would be at the core of so many of these conversations. Um, and, And you don't necessarily think of a lot of how those relationships work as being important ways um, you know, for, for whoever that professional is to know. So I guess I'm kind of curious, like you've, you've, as you, as you try to figure out how to build the national side, let's come back to Ontario and where you're already doing that. Like what are some of the, you know, kind of key things or things you've found are important that people were kind of surprised at as you train them to make sure that they are properly prepared to talk to a farmer? So just that, like what you're talking about as well, like people forget about the succession. We're constantly talking about, you know, the long days. It's getting up at four o'clock and not getting to bed till 10 and you got a like a full day in there. Those are just the daily routine, but we forget about everything else. The other big thing is the connection to the physical health, right? The mental health and the physical health. That is something that you know, we've been, we've been trying to sort of educate as well, because it's all intertwined and people forget that. And so when people start getting like frequent colds or they're sick and things like that, they don't realize that their bodies are starting to shut down and that's their body's way too. Yes, we have kids and they bring home germs, but you know, this is also what they're doing is their bodies are starting to shut down and then it takes a toll on your mental health and then you're not able to continue that work. And then your days, like, you know, maybe you start to sort of slack in certain areas and then we're not doing as well as we want to be doing or we you know we need to do this particular job and we just haven't got around to doing it and then we're like oh well, we're not motivated we're lazy and then we start telling us those negative eye messages right so we're lazy and now we're that we're lazy it's like well now I'm like I'm I'm gonna fail at farming like they go to this generalization and it makes it so much harder and then when you have all of these things going on it then can disrupt your sleep also, if we're looking at peak seasons, right, when we have, when we're working in the fields more and we're not seeing our families maybe as much, right, and if we're not trying to do that or there's other things going on, that also can um, be harmful to people. And so trying to figure out what works for them and, you know, sort of making a plan that way um, and also just helping people kind of understand like what that looks like if we're not eating or if we're not getting enough sleep, that's going to happen. So how do we make up for that? There's just, there's so many components to everything. It's just really having that basic understanding. And that's why farming is unique. And that's why I think that we need to have all of this across Canada so that farmers really have something that's tailored for them. So they know when they're walking through those doors that they're going to get the help that they need. And it's for them, tailor-made. So painting with fairly broad strokes here, but do mental health professionals understand that they need to view farmers and their families in specific cultural context? Are they interested in seeking training in that regard? Or is is there a need to raise awareness in that profession to kind of get them into taking on some of this training? The majority of them are all in and coming to participate. The ones that we are 
um, connecting with because there's it's actually quite interesting because when you start talking about farming, I've, there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I've got farming in my background or I grew up on a farm or I knew someone that was, you know, into farming, what have you. It doesn't matter. They have that interest and then they want to learn more about it. The reception has been amazing. And I'm very excited to say that every person that I have come into contact, like trying to get this training, everybody has been receptive and wanting to be a part of this. Many, many people. So the uptake's been very good. So Deb, health literacy is so important to you that you took the time from your busy schedule to actually write a book about it. You wrote the resource (laughs) manual for the In the Know Mental Health Literacy Program. Can you tell us a bit about what's in that? <laughs> so that was the um, yes, that was the big training manual. That was what um, Dr. Andrea Jones and Brianna Hagen had developed with the stakeholders in Guelph. And when that kind of came about, that was the very first sort of pilot that they did, and that was the mental health literacy program targeted at farmers. So it's it, that one was kind of like the. Um, mental health first aid, but shortened because we know farmers have a very busy schedule. So we needed to get them like kind of crunched in at this time and all the examples and everything was tailor-made. So when I came in, that's kind of where I brought my skill set was to kind of focus on the farmers, the delivery portion of it. So we were able to kind of get that out and that as well has gone across Canada and that continues to build and expand across Canada as well. Now, if we can kind of touch on a couple of kind of key issues that I think have impacted producers specifically, I know, um, you know, going back, this is at least a year ago, anyway, um, Megs Reynolds had just stepped in as kind of the executive director of Do More Ag, and we had her on the show, that's why I'm kind of tying it all together, and one of the conversations we had at that point was like the COVID question, because it was really like hanging on producers, um, you know, in terms of just, you know, the things that they were used to doing, they couldn't do anymore, Um can you give me an idea? Like, are we, are we clear past that now and everybody forgets what it was? Or is there still some lingering impacts there that, um, you know, from kind of some of that, you know, isolation and, and some of the changes that happened in the industry through that time? Mm-hmm. There's, I think there's always going to have that impact because people really were affected by it, um, you know, when we weren't able to. But if we look at all the things that we were kind of infect, affected by, we weren't able to get, you know, like... The, the milk transport for the dairy farmers. So a lot of people had to dump their milk. That was a huge thing when people have never had to do something like that before. Then the truck drivers weren't driving because there was nowhere to go because all the plants were shut down. The beef farmers, anyone who was selling their livestock, everything was shut down. So then the cost was accumulating because we're still having to feed all of these animals with nowhere to go. And so there was just so much that was impacted that I think some people absolutely are still affected. I also think that people are now more prepared for something like that to happen again because, again, I say again, this let's hope that never happens. So if something were to ever happen so that we're able to kind of push past that and focus on how this is going to affect us because it was the isolation part for a lot of people, yes, absolutely was impact, in, um, impactful. But again, at the same time with farmers, the isolation is a big thing as well, like for them regularly and that's something that we work on as well so you know it's kind of that fine line so i think it still will all or i think it will always exist it's just a matter of um learning from it so if there's not enough on everyone's plate there's also the impact of natural disasters i mean here in bc we had heat records followed by major floods 
We've seen floods in Ontario and Quebec as well, and droughts in the prairies. More and more tornadoes and the aftermath of hurricanes are hitting harder and harder. I mean, none of this is very uplifting. Are these natural phenomenons raising the anxiety levels of dairy producers? Absolutely, it is. And the University of Guelph has actually created a catastrophic toolkit um, they created that for the AAFC, and that's something that we're going to continue to work on and expand as well, <laughs> um, amongst all the other things that are up in the air. But that is something else that we're going to be focusing on, because that is something that it, it does exist, and it's going to continue to exist. All the hurricanes that were happening down east, the flooding, the heat, the fires, everything that was happening out west, even here in Ontario. So those are absolutely flags that we're watching right now. So that on that topic of the catastrophic events toolkit, like what is in it? Like if I if I go on and I, I feel I need that, like what what would be in that for me as a producer? So right now it's a it's literature. So it's just to kind of give you sort of the highlights. So if you're reading through it, it's something that you can have on hand. So if you have it in your barn. So, you know, like we have SOPs in the barn, like for dairy farmers. So it's kind of like that um, for those people that are not dairy farmers, whatever you have in the barn, that's, you know, something that's of literature that you can kind of take and read through it. And so then if you need like phone numbers, things like that, um, information, be able to know where to go, how to locate it, all of that is in what's in it right now and we're going to um, continue expanding off of that as we kind of work towards things again something I can't talk about yet but <laughs> it will come Deb it's been so great to have you on it's amazing work that you're doing as we wrap up if people are listening to our podcast and need help right now or know someone who might need help where should they go who can they contact so I know that Do More Ag has that great resource page so that has kind of all of the different areas, all of the different provinces. Um, so that is something that's a great resource that people can use. If you're in Ontario, you can contact the Farmer Wellness Initiative. You can have free counseling services. Depending on where you are, there's, there's different um, services that are available. Again, that's something that's going to be more in tune as we create the National Farmer Wellness Program for all farmers. That is that is awesome. Well, Deb, thanks very much for joining the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you guys wanting to talk about this. And that is it for the Canadian podcast. A huge thanks to our guest today, Deb Van Berkel of the Canadian Centre for Agricultural Wellbeing. If you've liked this episode, give us a follow on Facebook or on Twitter, and you can make sure to give us a like on your favorite streaming platforms and to check us out on the Canadian Podcow YouTube channel. It's new! If you have some comments or suggestions, please drop us a note at podcast at canadianpodcow.ca. And of course, a big thanks to our sponsor, the Dairy Farmers of Canada, and our production team, Bruce Sargent and Carl Belanger. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Podcow. We'll talk soon.